0: Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 20, verse 7 through 13, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 6, verse 1b through 11, the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 10, verse 24 through 39, and Psalm 69, verse 8 through 11 and 18 through 20. Open our minds, warm our hearts, but also bend our wills, for we seek to hear your word. Amen. I don't know how much of this I've told you about, but I've had more than a few near-death experiences in my life. Honestly, after counting several of them up, I'm kind of surprised I'm still alive. (laughs) One of the times that I nearly died, I was at high school water polo practice. I was held under the water too long during a team scrimmage, and no one really knew what was going on until my coach felt my body go limp under the water. I remember a peace, a stillness, a quiet. And then I remember being hoisted up out of the water and coming to while vomiting up tons of water and my school lunch. And in that sitting up, I took a huge breath of fresh air and I heard one of my teammates yell out, she's alive! (laughs) I want to be able to tell you that this catastrophic drowning event was life changing. That I somehow became a changed person that day. That I found unyielding appreciation for my education and I became the valedictorian. (laughs) That I stopped sitting on the hood of my friend Elizabeth's Volvo and smoking cigarettes or that I discontinued my bad habits of driving too fast or staying out past curfew or using the words, um, uh, like, uh, way too much. But none of that happened. I was still a teenage kid. I still very much took my life for granted. I still made mistakes and found ways to be completely self-centered, even though I had come very close to meeting my maker. Drowning didn't make me perfect, but I think it did maybe make me a little bit better. I was more conscious of what was going on around me more thoughtful around water. I trained in CPR, the same thing that saved my life, and became a lifeguard, helping others to be safe in the water. I didn't altogether throw out, though, the notion that you only live once. YOLO is what the kids call it these days. I've heard this phrase at nauseam in our culture, live life to the fullest, take the trip, try the thing, go out there, spend all that money, just do it. And while I, I understand the sentiment, YOLO, you only live once, I think our focus on Paul's letter to the Romans today is asking us a deep and abiding question about living and about what we're living for. It asks us, are you just out there living your best life so that you can have more than your neighbor? Is YOLO your excuse to spend your entire paycheck on a new car, or a bigger house, or the latest Chanel bag? We're all alive, thank God. God. But what are we living for? The Apostle Paul tells us that as baptized Christians, we are living with and in and for Jesus Christ. That everything we do and everything we say and every way we live and move and have our being, it has the potential to be shaped by our identity as Christians. You know how sometimes in my final blessing to you all, I say, life is short? Life is short, so be swift to love and make haste to be kind. You may have noticed I don't often say, life is short, so squish the little guy and get yours. You'll probably hurt some people along the way, but who cares? You're the most important person in the whole wide world. I don't say that because I don't believe that it's a right way to live in relationship with God. Or a right way to claim our identity as baptized Christians. YOLO, in the way it's often used in our culture, doesn't work for us. Because Christians actually believe that we don't just live once. That we live forever. That the life we live in God continues eternally. So what does it look like to claim this kind of life? What does it look like to turn away from sin and self-centeredness and turn toward eternal life in Christ Jesus? Most of you have been present for a baptism in our church. And I think the words of that service give us a really great understanding of what this life should look like. We begin by announcing all of the things we renounce. All of the things that we say, I'm not about that anymore. Satan, the spiritual forces of wickedness, the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God sinful desires that draw us away from the love of God we renounce them and then the very next thing in our baptismal service is do you turn toward do you turn toward Jesus Christ and accept him as your savior and we say, I do. I turn away from these things and I turn toward Jesus Christ. I put my whole trust in his grace and in his love. I follow and obey him. I go to church, continuing in the apostles' teaching, in the breaking of bread, in the prayers persevering in resisting evil and repenting and returning to God every time I lose sight of God, proclaiming by word and example the good news and seeking and serving Christ in all people, striving for justice and peace, respecting the dignity of every human being. If we do with our lives what we say in our baptism, we will be total weirdos. Total weirdos, you guys. Claim it. Christians are weird. We live outside the norm of our society. We are Jesus people because we act a little little bit like Jesus. If we're doing it right, we don't stand idly by, we move toward. We seek out the least and the lost. We serve our neighbors. We feed the hungry, physically and spiritually. We become healers, reconcilers healing broken hearts and broken relationships and broken promises. We welcome other weirdos to be with us in this. We resist systems of oppression and give a little more of ourselves to goodness and hope and joy. It's so completely countercultural. Hope and goodness and joy kindness, and love. We do it like Jesus did. We don't have to give all of our whole selves to this rat race going on out there. We don't have to strive and achieve and compete and get ahead. We don't have to keep up with the Joneses or the Smiths or the Kardashians. We just have to be God's people. Lately, I've been asking myself, what can I do better to be one of God's people? How many times am I going to have to drown before I take some space to take a deep breath to rest in God's loving embrace. Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans that we are prone to sin because we fundamentally misunderstand how much God loves us and the little guy we fundamentally misunderstand that God loves all of who we are and that God wants us to feel hope and joy and peace and goodness. That God wants us to rest. So how do we slow down and take stock? and remind ourselves of who we are. How can we pay attention to all the beauty around us? How can we celebrate the joy of people finding pride in all the different aspects of their identities? How do we lay down some of the expectations of this world, of this society? in order to find ourselves closer to God and closer to our true selves, who God made us to be. Church, I think, is a good place to start. A place to sit and reflect and find peace and joy in community To see all these other weirdos out there with you trying to do this thing called life in a new way? Maybe Pride Parade was part of how you did that this weekend. I, for one, am going to nourish my rest and joy in God by eating pastizio and dancing to Greek music at the panieri this afternoon. You each are made... Beautifully in the image of God. And your baptism reminds you of who you are and what you're about. I think baptism, it really is like a near-death experience because in those waters we die to sin so that we can live in love. So my question for you today is, how has your baptism changed you? How will it change you in the future? How will it help shape your identity? And how will you live? If you can know that you don't just live once, but you live forever. Amen.